Welcome to the Enliven Beverage Deal Podcast, where we're all about saving and making you money by taking both the guesswork and the legwork out of your beverage partnership and by leveling the playing field when it comes to negotiating your beverage contracts. I'm your host, Tim Harms. We've got a great show for you today. Stay tuned. Well, today we're super excited. Uh, we got a guest from the Enliven team joining us today. His name is Michael Kuhn. He's our Director of Account Services. Michael, how are you? I am doing great. Thanks, Tim. Glad to be on the show. Yeah, so glad to have you. So I got a question for you. How many millions of dollars do you think a sponsor is going to pay to brand the Enliven Beverage Deal podcast? Um, don't get your hopes up, my friend. Um, I, I don't know. You got to build your audience. You got 10 million, build- 20 million, uh, 100 million. Um, keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. I'm there for the ride and I'm happy to help whoever <laughs> I can. Uh, well, I, I hear we have an expert on the air right now. So Michael uh, came to us at Enliven with a pretty amazing uh, resume uh, at a high level. Uh, you worked for the PGA Tour, and then after the PGA Tour, you branched off and actually ran your own um, naming rights sports marketing agency. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Yeah, absolutely. I, was, I mean, I was like any kid that loved playing sports as a kid and um i always knew that i'd work in the business world in some way so it always made sense to merge those things and fortunately through education and some lucky breaks along the way i was able to um, put together a number of years working at the pga tour um, at the league level and worked mostly with our sponsors which was a great time selling and managing those large sponsor relationships and then as you said um took that experience and kind of went off on my own to help those sort of sponsors um across all different sports not just uh golf but it's been a it's been a fun ride um and i'm glad to bring some of those insights into the deals and all the stuff that we get to do at enliven um with the beverage company yeah we've it's been it's been really fun to have you on the team and when you we started talking just knew it would be like a, a hand in glove fit um, but so today, I thought, I mean, we were brainstorming in the shop some fun uh, ideas to bring to the podcast. And uh, one idea came up was how are major sports sponsorships sold? And so would love for you just to uh, give us and give our listeners an idea of someone like the PGA Tour. How, you know, how does that process work? Can you, can you peel back the, the layers for us? Give us an inside scoop into what it what it means uh what it would mean to sell sports sponsorships um yeah how i mean first of all i guess how do companies justify such a huge investment i mean you hear these headlines seven to eight figures per year how does that work it's a great question and i don't think the answer is the same for every single one i mean yeah i think that makes sense you know we're making decisions and not anyone is you know guided by any one particular piece but at the base level, you have to justify it to some degree. If you're going to spend that sort of money, you got to go to a board, you got to get it approved. Like the sponsor has to be thinking through it in some sort of rational fashion. And so there's a few buckets I kind of think of that these companies go through. And the first is just the like standard marketing value, right? The, if you use the PGA Tour as an example, so say a title sponsor for one tournament on the PGA Tour, 
investment is kind of what you were talking about. It's seven to eight figures per year. Um, and But they're getting like an association with the tour and everything that comes with that. They're getting a ton of impressions based on their company name. So say it's, you know, Waste Management is a longtime sponsor of the PGA Tour and it's the Waste Management Phoenix Open. So all the ads for it are talking mm. about Waste Management. The logo of the tournament has Waste Management incorporated into it. The telecast is just flooded with the green and the yellow from Waste Management. And, you know, you see that over and over again. So there's, there's an associated value you can put on that for all of the impressions um, that, that you'll get. Um, and then in addition to that, there's like a TV ad package and all sorts of um, elements throughout the year that you could put a hard marketing number to. Now, when you add all those up, any like ad buyer is going to say that's not worth seven to eight, you know, eight, 10, 11, $12 million a year. Like they can't justify it with just that. It's the sum of all the parts that come up um, to make it worth that. And some of those other things are client entertainment. So at that, for if we just build off of that waste management example, they're going to bring their biggest clients from all over the country, maybe internationally, to come to their event. And it's their event. And they're getting a behind the scenes mm -hmm. look. They get to play in the program. They get to play hand in hand with like the pros that are playing in the tournament early in the week. And they get to watch them play. They probably are splicing in some business sessions and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, it, that ends up being a very valuable business development exercise to entertain clients there. Um, so that's one piece. There's partnership benefits just from, you know, waste management might be a sponsor, but then they might, you know, develop a relationship with another sponsor, maybe a banker or insurance agency or something that's also a partner. Um, and there's those type of associations that make sense. And if you're a major sponsor of a league, you're normally going to win that league's business too. And so there's that offsetting element of it that goes into play. So, so when, you, when you look at these sponsorships and you're trying to sell them to big global brands, I mean, how much of it is like data-driven, look at the analytics, look at the impressions, look at the viewership, and how much of it is that emotional aspect where man, you want to be associated with this event that happens in the American psyche, the American zeitgeist almost. How much is that emotion versus data? Um, both are at play. But if I had to pick one over the other as being more important, I would say the emotion, and even I'd take it a step further and say the like ego of whoever the decision maker is like probably plays the biggest factor into the whole thing. So you start the conversation with the rational stuff and say, this is what, you know, comes into it and you can kind of build a case for what it's all worth. But then at the end of the day, you need to wow somebody. If you're selling a major sports sponsorship for $10 million a year, you need to get them excited at an emotional level. And that's going to get them over the edge to, to actually make the investment. Wow. So what are some of those key things that you are trained to look for? In, uh, you know, in, in the target companies, whether it was a CEO or a, whoever you were selling to, what are the, the trigger points that you're really trying to appeal to? Well, it's, it's great whenever you have an existing relationship. So like just if you use continue on the golf example, you know, if we we're trying to sell to somebody, the best case scenario was if you knew that they were already a big golfer or a golf fan, or maybe they're good friends with, you know, a professional golfer already, and you have that kind of connection. So you know, at the end of the road, the person making the decision is already inclined towards the sport. Like, 
then you can start at the lower levels, work it up or however it needs to happen. And you know that you're sitting in, a, in good shape. But one of the things that you can always do, no matter who you're talking to, um, I think is take something off of the page. You know, we're all like used to seeing in the business world, seeing presentations, seeing decks, seeing proposals, and you read something and you can see the numbers and you think through it rationally. And that's one thing. But when you can see it and you can start to feel it and sink your teeth into it. And what I'm saying there is, is during a presentation, instead of just speaking about it, instead of just showing, um, you know, an image on the screen, a video with some music. So for example, if Enliven wants to be a title sponsor of a, of a PGA Tour event down the line, what I would imagine the folks at the PGA Tour would do is they would leverage all of the content and their entertainment assets to build a custom video. And they would then lean even on you know, their broadcast partner like CBS, and they would have Jim Nance provide a custom audio intro for the Enliven Championship in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, coming to you live for final round coverage. And it shows, and it shows like the whole opening graphic with our logo on, on the screen and, and it zooms in and out. And it's like, all of a sudden this went from just being an idea to like actually coming to life. And that's how, it's a, it's a pretty simple way, but it takes a lot of steps. I mean, it takes a lot of steps, but really quickly, you start to appeal to somebody's emotions and can get them a whole lot more excited and something yeah. you can sink your teeth into a whole lot more than just reading something on a, on a page. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I can definitely see that. There's so many ties, tie-ins to our business too. I, so as I think about this, you know, it obviously takes a long time to run through this process to do it justice. What happens, my question is, what happens if you cut that process short or you short circuit, circuit the whole process? there's so many stakeholders, you know, like it's not a, it's not a simple thing. Um, and, you know, even if a CEO or a decision maker is inclined towards golf and has, you know, stated that they're in and they would like to do it, you still have to go through the process of taking the rational approach and providing um, as much information as possible for the marketing value and all the other elements and ways in which you can activate. At the end of the day, it's a platform that you're for a sponsorship. You're buying a platform and then you as a company, you have your brand objectives and your marketing messages that you want to get out to that golf audience. Maybe it's to the broader public and you're a consumer facing company. Maybe it's um, more just for the entertainment aspect and you're just looking to maximize that. So you might do like a huge global summit and really blow it out on site for that one week with the golf. You know, we had one partner that it was there. It was one of the big accounting firms um, was a was the sponsor of one of our tournaments, and they used their tournament as their biggest entertainment avenue every year. And they brought people from all over the world, and they brought the biggest speakers they had, like speakers like Malcolm Gladwell, come and speak during the during the week of the tournament. And so they had a business session, and they had speakers like that going on, and then they'd go to the golf course, and then they'd have a big dinner on the beach, and that sort of thing. Um, and so, but you gotta, you gotta talk a sponsor through that process and like, what is it going to look like? Mm -hmm. What's important to you? Man. How are you going to maximize this? It's not just as simple as saying, this is what it's worth. Here you go. Because you got to think a few steps down the line towards implementation and really how it's going to work. Cause at the end of the day, the property, the league, whoever's selling the sponsorship wants that sponsor to be around. So you can't sell it short. You can't, you know, fast track it because it's going to set everybody up for failure. And at the end of the day, a good partnership is one where everybody under goes into it eyes wide open 
and gets value from it um, on both sides. And so um, as much as you can do that on the sales side of things, um, the better. Yeah, I mean, there's so much that's, I'm, I'm thinking about our business. Our clients oftentimes, you know, want to treat Coke and Pepsi like big commodity companies. They're just uh, providing a bunch of volume. So they're trading volume for price. But what you're talking about is actually selling the brand company and guiding them through a process, helping them see what the partnership could mean, courting them, expanding their vision for all the different ways they could activate on the property. And once they have it, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a little different. It's much more work. It's, it's approaching it from a different lens. Um, you're putting the brand company, you're putting them on the stage, really. You're not just expecting them to come and compete on your terms or, or do things for you but you go through the work, yield so much more. I mean, it's worth the effort. Are you confident you're getting all of the rebates that you're due under your beverage deal? Are you sure your beverage vendor isn't overcharging you? Well, there's an easy way to find out. This is Tim Harms, and I wanted to jump in here and let you know that we have a new way to support you, and it's called the Enliven Beverage Deal Audit. In just 15 minutes of your time, you can provide us with all of the information we need to get to work, identify beverage company errors on your behalf, and recover your money. You can get started by going to beveragedealaudit.com. Once again, that's www beveragedealaudit.com and you can learn everything you need to know there to get started. It's risk-free to you. There's no upfront cost or charge and we only receive compensation if we find errors and get you a check. Once again, it only takes 15 minutes. It's a no-brainer. Go right now to beveragedealaudit.com and sign up today. All right, now back to our conversation. I mean, what other similarities do you see between uh, what your work at the PGA Tour and, and sports marketing and uh, now that you're immersed in this uh, wonderful world of beverages? How, how do you see the two worlds marrying? Yeah, no, I see so many similarities and you hit a lot of them right there in what you just described. Um, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, it, a sports sponsorship and the pouring rights agreements that we put together at Enliven at the end of the day, they're partnerships and um, spending that extra time to understand all of the different sides and the goals and the, what each stakeholder is looking to achieve and balancing that. I think that's what we do at Enliven is help to, um, you know, almost translate between the beverage companies and our clients. And it, it's really, really valuable. And um, yeah. at the end of the day, a partnership should elevate both parties. And I see that happening with our relationships with our clients and the beverage companies. And just like I saw it happening with um, some of the successful sports sponsorships that I've worked on over the years. So that's one thing. Um, another thing that's interesting that I always have enjoyed watching, just being a competitor myself playing sports growing up as a kid, um, was just the competition that's in play in the marketplace. And so in the sports world, it's a little bit, we've been talking about title sponsors, but there's official sponsors that typically own a category. So like MasterCard, for instance, is the official credit card of the PGA Tour at the moment. So that means that American Express cannot be the official, you know, cannot, does not have any rights to advertise or promote um, in association with PGA Tour. And um, 
that's a competitive play. I'm a lot of the motivation for a MasterCard to hold that position and pay for that, you know, marketing position within the, you know, PGA Tour sponsorship structure is to keep a Visa and keep an American Express out of play. We see the same thing in the beverage world. Coke and Pepsi don't want the competitor to come in. Um, and we benefit from that whenever we bring both to the table and allow them both a fair chance at competing. It's the same situation in the sports world. Um, you know, you bring all of the sponsors to the table and the cream rises to the top and they get to benefit from that, ex that exclusive right. Yeah, well said, well said. I would argue even more so in beverages because Coke and Pepsi have a ubiquity strategy, right? They, they want to be everywhere and they want their competitor nowhere. So ratcheting up that fear, ratcheting up the greed is a key element. You know, one point before I go off, before we go off, I, as far as tying sports partnerships with beverage partnerships, one of the things that I've had a lot of fun seeing is the tie. All the beverage companies have their sports sponsorships locally in the you know cities in which they operate. And so I have had a lot of fun watching them use some of those assets and the benefits they receive from their sports partnership and then leveraging them with their beverage partner. And so for instance, at one of the airports we work at, they you know, have appearance, appearances that they get with players from the local NFL team in Philadelphia with the Eagles. And they basically ran a promotion where whoever, you know, sold the most uh, water or sold the most, you know, carbonated beverage, whatever it was, um, was able to win an experience bowling with Zach Ertz from the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. And so those sort of things, like they, the relationships tie in and overlap yes. and help one another. And um, knowing the elements on the other side of a sports partnership is helpful for leveraging um, within a beverage partnership because you know the broader scope of what's going on um, within the beverage company and all of the relationships that they have. So it's fun to see those things intermingle. Awesome. Well, Michael, it's been such a pleasure. Hey, before we go, uh, so I'm sure PGA Tour came with some perks. Who, who's the most famous person you met you met with while you're there? I mean, the most famous golfer is Tiger Woods. Um, there's no doubt. Um, and I had a chance to meet him. I met Jack Nicholas too, which is pretty, you know, another generation. And I, I think I was almost more speechless to meet Jack Nicholas. but both of those guys, um, I, golfers are all great. I mean, they're all like so good at interacting with anyone and, um, do a bunch of great things. Well, Michael, man, thank you so much for coming on and for shining a light on what happens behind the scenes, how we get MasterCard, the official sponsor of the PGA Tour. We, uh, man, I appreciate, appreciate you coming on. And uh, whenever you get the official sponsor of the Enlivened Beverage Deal podcast, please let me know. Um, I'll, I'll let you know first. No problem. <laughs> All <laughs> right, Michael. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening in. Hope you found that informative. If you have a burning question about your beverage negotiation or partnership, we'd love to hear from you and answer it on this podcast. Reach out to us by emailing podcast at enlivenpartnership.com. And hey, before we sign off, I want to remind you that you can take both the guesswork and the legwork out of your beverage partnership. You can level the playing field in your beverage negotiations and you can save or make your company millions through a new or an improved beverage agreement. The first step is a free beverage opportunity analysis 
which will tell you just how much you can save or you can make. Sign up for your free beverage opportunity analysis at enlivenpartnership.com and by clicking free savings estimate. On behalf of everyone here at Enliven, thanks for listening in.